We all have big dreams, but far too often, we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today is a music star in the making. Right now, he's focused on pop, punk style love songs, and he's a really well-rounded musician. He shares about growing up around music, but focusing mostly on hockey until he realized how much he missed singing. He really started to practice, hone in on his craft, create and publish more and more songs once he realized that he would love to make it a full-time thing. We talked about the lifestyle that goes into pursuing such a goal when you still have to pay the bills. He gave us a masterclass in creating a song as a singer, and we talked a lot about personal development, goal setting, and much more. Please welcome to interview 39, Benjamin Allen. All right, so thanks so much for being with us here today. This is going to be an awesome episode. I know it's been a long time coming. One thing that I do in my day job is work with youth who are getting into their own music careers or they would like to get into music. If I can, I'd love to bring in people as guest speakers. If you were to come in and kind of talk to one of the classes of youth that I work with and you just introduced yourself, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so my name is Benjamin Allen. I'm a 25-year-old singer, songwriter, producer, musician, multi-instrumentalist, whatever you want to, all the titles you can add there, I guess. I have grown my following on TikTok to about 260,000 followers through music, uh, released couple studio EPs, I think three right now. And I'm working on a full length album project that I'm going to be releasing at the end of the year. So um, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of experience in music. Um, and as for what I would say, like it's the music industry these days is so accessible to everybody. So, you know, all those kids that you mentioned that you work with, like if you have a, a computer with a, a little bit of software and a microphone, you can pretty much make music in your own house if you really wanted to. It's like uh, the, the music industry these days is pretty lucrative for sure. Yeah, whether it's music or business or anything, these digital things we think of, I do love the fact that most things are just becoming increasingly more and more accessible. Even being able to record a podcast like this, where we don't have to get together in person, uh, there's really no excuses anymore. You mentioned the term EP. Yeah. What does that mean? It's basically like a short record. All right. It's like a mixtape almost. I don't know what the actual acronym for it is. I'd have to look it up, but uh, it's like a short um yeah. Yeah. And that I think a lot of people hear these terms or these these ideas and like there's so many different ways to kind of compile, I suppose, your music and that kind of stuff in today's day and age. So I know we'll get a lot into the making of music, I'm sure songwriting and those kinds of things. But to kind of take it back a little bit first, how did you and when did you first get into music yourself? So I've been into music my entire life, pretty much like I, that's a hard question to actually answer because um, I feel like I've been doing music my entire life. Like I have videos of myself, like my parents took videos of me when I was little with my dad's like huge guitar when I was like four years old, always really interested in music, writing music, that kind of stuff. But I kind of got more serious into it towards the end of high school. So probably like six or seven years ago now, started out just um, doing covers on YouTube, honestly, like doing uh, like singing over other people's songs. Um, I started doing that, posting them on YouTube. Uh, that led me into making my own instrumentals, my own songs, my own beats, that kind of stuff. I started making beats and instrumentals probably like three years before I even released my first actual song. So it took a long time to actually figure out 
the process, you know, because it's it's a big learning curve for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started off just doing covers and stuff like that and brought me to where I wanted to write my own songs, figured out how to do that. And here we are today, like fast forward five years now, and it's we've uh, got a lot of new stuff out. You mentioned being into music from a really young age. When it comes to school and learning, growing up, that kind of stuff, what was school like for you? Were you someone who enjoyed school, liked learning and that kind of stuff? Or were you always wanting to do music or was it kind of a bit of both? It was a bit of both. Like I like learning. That's one thing I like about your podcast too. It's all about like just keep learning new stuff, right? I feel like music is all about learning. No one ever knows anything. Going back to like the school question. Yeah, I wasn't like the greatest student, but I also wasn't awful. So I, I did like school. I liked the social aspect of school. I actually didn't take any music classes in school because I wasn't really into like the traditional like band music, right? I wanted to do my own like pop kind of music and that kind of wasn't really available in school. So I kind of just did it on my own time. Like after school, I wouldn't, uh, I'd just go home and make music and do my own thing. So it just kind of came out of like, I got inspired by my favorite artists. So like Justin Bieber and Shawn Mendes, and I just kind of wanted to make music like that. So I would, you know, after school hours, I would just go home and um, do covers of Justin Bieber songs and make songs that sound similar in that kind of genre. And I just kind of learned how to uh, do it over time. And like you said, it's, it's all it's all about just keep learning because um, even like like today, I don't even know everything about music. And I think I, I think it'd be like, uh, I think anyone's lying if they say they know everything, right? So there's always always stuff you can learn for sure. Yeah, I, I certainly appreciate that. Obviously love using that hashtag. And I think it's just kind of like a little slightly simpler way of saying growth mindset. Yeah. It always interests me when people are willing to get into something like music or maintain uh, interest in music when they also do other things. Like I know that you play sports as well, right? So I do. Yeah. What did you play like growing up? And did you play that competitively too? Or Yeah. So growing up, I played hockey my entire life pretty competitively. I was uh, always on the competitive team like playing the highest level hockey you can play at whatever age it was like always really into that I uh, stopped doing that around age 15 though so I kind of got out of the hockey world and just kind of did my own thing I started going to the gym more often I have a, a pretty big gym routine I find it's uh, good for discipline and everything like that but yeah I've always been into sports too I'm really really big into sports it's one of those things where it's like I find music is like therapy a little bit and I find that sports also does the same kind of thing you get in like this zone where it's like everything else once you're playing hockey you're doing your sport or in the gym or whatever it's like nothing else really matters at that time except for what you're doing and that's kind of the feeling I get with music too it's kind of why I kind of chained onto it a little bit it's like a form of therapy almost right well, that, and that's kind of part of the thing that I was interested in was the overlaps or the things that are comparable between music and sport. And a lot of people certainly don't do both really to the level that, that you have and that you're doing. So I was curious to know exactly that, like what some of those kind of overlapping things you thought existed. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like, for one, you're always learning too, right? So even in sports, you're constantly picking up new skills. You're It's like a form of therapy where it's like nothing else really matters. So same with music. And it has a lot of overlap too like it's got to put the time and effort into it to be like good and get better at what you do and same same goes for both uh, both sides for sure I mean, I don't know him as well as I know you, but someone who you guys remind me of each other, kind of, I wouldn't say you remind me of him or he reminds me of you or whatever, but Blake Prohl, I don't know if you know him, but he plays for the Minnesota Vikings Okay, and he creates pop music too. And watching his last couple of years, because he was just drafted to the NFL, I thought it was really interesting that somebody's willing to put themselves out there as an athlete. There's so many stereotypes that go along with being that sort of like tough athlete and then making stuff like pop 
pop music, did you find that it was that you struggled at all with like reputation or whatever when it came to making music and being an athlete? That's that's actually a really good point because for the longest time, none of my friends that I did sports with knew that I was a musician. I never really kind of crossed the two. And that's probably for the same reason, like you just mentioned, like there is kind of like that stereotype where if your music is, is seen to be like, if you're a musician, you're kind of like softer, for instance, like more emotional kind of thing, right? So it's, and then the hockey and the, the sports side is you're supposed to be like this tough like person. So a lot of people that I did sports with, for the longest time, didn't even know that it did music. It's only been the last couple of years that uh, I've really been crossing the two and just not really caring anymore and just being like, this is who I am. Like I do music, I'm a musician, like that's kind of my identity. And I do sports on the, on the side to have a good time. And um, that's it's kind of just happened over the last couple of years, honestly. Do you think that's something that's come with age? Some of it's come with age, more of like maturity and stuff and just really growing into who you who you are as a person and um a lot of it's just been like identity right because um as a musician it's hard to like justify like oh being like oh i am a musician when i do all these other things right so a lot of it just comes with uh you got to identify with your brand and you got to be like all in or you're not really in at all right yeah you mentioned your discipline routine too and kind of using sport or athleticism fitness now to kind of play that role in your life i can certainly relate there because it's shifted from also being a competitive athlete to being like i'm a civilian now why the hell would i go to the gym to kind of even going back to another version where it's like no i'm going to the gym for health and because I find that it helps. Uh, what is your workout routine for the people that would love to know more of the behind the scenes stuff? Like in terms of that discipline, what do you do? I have a very intense workout routine right now. Like I, most days, I think six days a week, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I'm at the gym by at least five, spend about an hour in the gym doing uh, weight training. And then I'll often have like three or four times a week, like hockey at night. So I'll do like a double workout pretty much having the work out in the morning and then hockey at night and then everything else kind of music and stuff in between there so it's uh it can be pretty intensive and sometimes i need to take breaks because i feel like i go too hard with the fitness stuff but honestly it's just like kind of a, a mental stress release just being able to you know use your body to empower yourself and it makes you feel better like the way you look better in the in the mirror because a lot of people have a body image struggles and stuff like that so just being uh, dedicated to that and knowing that like going to the gym is gonna be a positive impact on all those different aspects is more than enough reason for me to go to the gym every day couldn't agree more when do you sleep then it's actually kind of bad i get like probably six to six seven hours of sleep a day i guess um i take a lot of naps though like I'll find myself if I'm if I'm tired I'll just take a nap for like half an hour get like a quick quick power nap in and be ready to go back do whatever I need to do for the rest of the day. Yeah, sleep is definitely one of the things that's lacking in my life right now. That I probably could do a better job at maintaining for sure. Has that always been the case for you too? Like not really a sleeper? Yeah, I'm a huge insomniac, so <laughs> it's it's actually a problem cuz uh yeah, I just don't sleep very often. I find I have too much stuff in my brain that I, I need to get done. Like I'm a very go-getter kind of person. So whenever something, whenever I have an idea for something, like let's say I have an idea for a song, I just need to get it out and I can't sleep until that song is like somewhat done. Or if I have an idea, I want to do a video. Like I, I, it's, it's like almost like an urgency that I have to get that thing done before I can go to sleep. It's almost like a non-negotiable for me. It's like, it's kind of a bit crazy. You know, it's, it's worked for me and I obviously rest when I need to. I take breaks from uh, music and take breaks from YouTube and that kind of stuff. I find that I I just need to get that creative energy out when it's uh, when it's there. I was just going to say a lot of us as creatives are a little bit crazy, I think, on so many levels. We could probably talk for hours just on that one topic. For sure. But I can definitely relate. And like, I remember right back to being like a tiny kid and my parents getting annoyed because I, I wouldn't fall asleep. So uh, I have done, I think, better in the last while 
not really any too many specific changes, but perhaps one being like, okay, this work will still be here tomorrow and then just shutting her down and drinking coffee earlier in the day. I used to just crush coffee during the day and it didn't really matter when. Are you a coffee drinker? I am a little bit of a coffee drinker, but I, I usually take pre-workouts. So I find that it limits my ability to, like, I try not to take too much caffeine. And when you take pre-workout, there's like an overdose of caffeine. So I try to limit it, but I do drink coffee like once a day. Yeah, I was thinking I should have said, are you a caffeine drinker? Because it could have been Red Bull or Monster, Rockstar or anything else too, for sure. But yeah, so like, and then the other thing was, um, I've been listening to some podcasts on sleep episodes like Andrew Huberman, for example, Huberman Labs got a great show and just learning a little more about that because I think that if I continue to learn a little bit more about it, and there's a really famous book called Why Do We Sleep? I downloaded it on Audible like six months ago and I haven't even started it because I'm like scared to learn more about it because then I'm going to feel more pressure and like I should sleep more as well. Well, the thing is too, I was, uh, I was basically raised on the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Casey Neistat era where it was like the guy used to do YouTube videos, get like four hours of sleep every night. And he would say, he's like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Like I got so much done, blah, 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 blah. Like I was kind of raised on that kind of content. So that kind of just stuck with me. I know, I know I should get more, probably get more sleep than I do, but I feel like at the same time, you mentioned this as well. You mentioned that like it'll the work will be there tomorrow. But sometimes I find with creative stuff, I find that it sometimes has a time limit. Like I've had ideas where it's like a song comes to my head or like a hook comes to my head. And I'm like, if I don't get this on paper now and like get it somewhat recorded, I won't. It, it'll be gone by tomorrow. I feel like there is some creative aspects to have a time limit for sure. Yeah. And I guess the only strategy for that is trying to use a voice note quickly as opposed to making the whole song. But yeah, I mean, Steve Aoki, right? I'll sleep when I'm dead. Me too. Like I've always kind of lived by that motto too. I have a hoodie that I used to wear every time I did creative work and it literally says sleep is for suckers on the back. And the, the front's like... Uh, I, I can relate to that so much. Yeah. And that's uh, David Shans and uh, in collaboration with Eric Thomas, E.T. the Hip Hop Preachers was part of that brand. Like right when I first started getting into creative type of entrepreneurial personal development like kind of stuff. And so that was the first e-commerce purchase I ever made too, was I bought two of those hoodies, two of those t-shirts. And I was like, anytime I'm working, anytime I'm trying to better myself or build out this brand or create videos or whatever i'm putting those those clothes on and that actually made a difference like i feel a physical emotional mental difference when i wore their hoodies you know i should be a spokesperson for the brand right but the whole idea was and i actually put like a one minute clip of them summarizing the thing because they didn't want people to like be unhealthy <laughs> or get sick so they were saying like they <laughs> it's like they were like no the problem is people sleep too much and so they kind of made a quick definition where they're like, rest is good. You should rest. And if that means you're going to bed and you're sleeping, that's fine. But there's a limit to what that should be. And you shouldn't be just sleeping for the sake of sleeping, which I thought was kind of the perfect way to sum it up. I've heard Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about that too. He's like, I. it's another famous kind of clip. He's like, if I sleep six and a half hours and you sleep nine and I multiply those, you know, two and a half, three hours out over 365 days, this game over, you're never going to catch me in whatever we're competing in, you know? Oh, it's a lot of time for sure. And uh, one of the things I'm really interested in too, I haven't, I haven't actually looked into it, but I've I've seen some apps that, uh, you know, how like when you're sleeping, right, you have that like the REM cycle thing. And if you wake up like in the middle of a cycle, it'll it'll you'll be almost more tired than if you woke up at the end. So I'm like, there are some apps that I've seen where 
where it's like it'll almost try to time your REM cycle sleeps and try to wake you up naturally towards like the end of your REM cycle, which is maybe something interesting to try out just because uh, if you sleep better on six hours than someone that does on nine, you might be able to, you know, three times their output in, in a year, right? So it can add up to a lot of time. Yeah. And I also think that to your point, sleeping more efficiently is definitely more important than the amount of time. Yeah. I would assume that's definitely the case. And so figuring that out is something that would be more and more interesting. There's also the whole idea that you mentioned creativity and not sleeping. But I think if you can dream better and like we don't even notice, but then the next day we feel a bit more creative because of what was going on and subconscious of our sleep, like that stuff's really pretty interesting too. Anyways, it's just an interesting topic that certainly I hadn't planned on <laughs> talking about on this episode but yeah but it's uh i think the idea of sleep is a uh, going to be an increasingly more debated and argued but interesting topic over the next while so it's kind of cool to talk about yeah in terms of your days you mentioned that you basically do music all in between so are you needing to work right now too are you taking some time to just focus on music kind of both like where is that at for people that would love to be able to focus more on their music for sure but they also have the day job you know like where's your situation at right now yeah. Yeah, so that's a good question because it is kind of it can be hard to juggle um, all of your things because obviously people need to live too, right? They need to make money in order to survive. And so yeah, I do have a day job. Like my day job is in software, so I do work a typical like software job, and then I do music on the side. So whenever I can find time to do music, I just um, it's a it's a side hustle. It's something that I put in work after hours. So it's like once three o'clock hits, four o'clock hits, I'm working on music from like four till nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, kind of thing. And yeah, it's my and the pandemic really helped with that too because a lot of jobs in software, anyways, have been like remote from home jobs kind of thing. So I'm always at home anyways. So um, once I'm done work, it's kind of just like time to time to get creative, that kind of stuff. And it can be hard to keep that creative energy, especially after working all day, kind of thing. But you know, you got to do what you got to do until the until the job is uh, the music is making enough money to be able to quit and actually be able to finance your life and your music career through your music right so you gotta do what you gotta do Mm -hmm. when you mentioned the creative process that starts at three four o'clock what does that look like on a typical creative day as far as like do you just get super random as to whether you're making instrumentals and beats you know playing instrument or singing writing like or do you have a fairly structured process what type of musician are you that way it's a good question um yeah so i kind of have to like almost adjust because uh i'm always at home right so when you're done work it's almost like you gotta almost turn that that off and like so what i typically do is uh right after i'm done my my work uh, i will kind of just turn on my spotify go for like a 20 minute walk and just like listen to kind of music that i want to write that day or listen to music that i'm kind of vibing after and then um, put on a few playlists uh, as i'm going for a walk and just kind of you know get inspired by things and i'll come back home and i'll just depending on what i'm doing that day because i could be like making the beat making the instrumental or i could be like cutting a song or doing mixing production and stuff like that but yeah i just kind of try to take a, a minute to like get that creative energy flowing before you get into it and some days i find you you can sit there for hours and try to be creative and it just doesn't come to you. And you just got to sometimes just accept that day. Maybe you're not as creative. Maybe like something is uh, going off in your life and, uh, you know, it's just you got to work with it. But other days you can just sit down and write a song in like half an hour. And it's the best thing, best thing you've ever written in your entire life. Like it's uh, you just got to show up and like whatever happens, happens. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Blackberry at all, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. 
I know. He would uh, sit down and his like he basically lock himself in his uh, in his studio for six hours and basically be like, I'm not coming out until I have a completed song. I try to do the same thing, but sometimes it just doesn't happen, and that's okay. You just gotta accept that. Move on the next day. You can work on another song on the next day, and it's just a constant process. Do you think sometimes it didn't happen for him too, or do you think he stuck to that? practice oh probably sometimes you, you you can make a song right and it just after when you finish the song or finish up to the chorus or whatever you're doing like you just don't like the song and that's that's fine like i have a ton of songs like when i write an album i write i can write 30 songs for an album and only choose 12 mm-hmm. like that's just how it goes because i'm also very picky too right and so when you when you create that part do you typically when you say you can write 30 and only keep 12 do you record all 30 though yeah, so what I do, I'm a producer at heart, so um, I will do the production. Basically, how I like to look at songwriting is, uh, especially for pop music, depending on the structure of the song, it's usually verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and then repeat that twice, and then kind of have like a bridge maybe in the middle somewhere. So what I would do typically if I'm writing a song is I will write the first verse, the first chorus and the first pre-chorus with an intro in there. And if I can vibe with that energy and what the song, like what the song sounds like and feels like, and I can uh, vibe with that, then I just kind of, you kind of just extend the song, right? So it's just similar lyrics, similar melodies, that kind of stuff. But if you don't, like if I get to that point, like finish the chorus, pre-chorus and verse, and I don't vibe with that song, I'm just like, eh, maybe I'll just keep it. Maybe it's something is uh, something will come up later or whatever. I'll shelf it for a while, take a month off and just not listen to it and maybe in a month it'll come back i'll write something completely different with the same kind of idea or whatever but uh that process is always the same it's always write the first half of the song and if i like it then it goes from there that's really interesting i don't think i've ever heard that before and this is why i love the vibe of our show even though it's certainly not niche it's also like gives the ability to have you know like yourself like experts and pros in different areas and then really allows me to just genuinely intrinsically be asking like the questions that i think people who are idiots when it comes to music like me would be asking you know so bear with me because the whole idea behind that is like (laughs) pretending that a whole bunch of like sixth graders who have never done music or listening and we're trying to be like, hey, this is this and this. So you've got me thinking of a whole bunch of things, uh, but I hadn't heard that as like an idea. And I'm sure other musicians would completely be able to relate though. And maybe that's their exact style of doing it. Oh, for sure. So when you say like literally when you say chorus, you know, that's basically the hook, right? Oh yeah. Chorus is chorus is the hook. Chorus is what you repeat over and over again. So it's like, it's the hook of the song. It's what people, if you think of a song, right. And you sing it in your head, you'll probably sing the chorus of the song. Um, it's the catchy part pretty much. This is pretty funny timing because we've been talking about music. You've used the word playlist, EP, like obviously the, the theme and the, I just feel music right now and nothing specific, but because of, uh, I hate using the term ADHD that people say like when they don't actually have a diagnosis and struggle with that medically, but my brain hops all over the place. So whatever that is, I, (laughs) over the last couple of minutes, have no word of a lie, had a song that Mike Posner hasn't even released yet, but he's been sharing on TikTok like crazy for a week or two. And I don't know, it comes out at the end of the month or whatever. And yeah, I'm sure that'll end up being the hook, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's there's no way any artist on TikTok is uh, sharing the verses of their songs. I mean, maybe they are if they're like emotional and it has like an emotional drive to it but for the most part if you hear a song that's like oh this is unreleased song kind of thing on tiktok you're hearing the chorus like the hook of the song it's gonna it be what drags you in get it stuck in your head that's what's happening lots yeah exactly but could that be the pre-chorus so for people again going back to the fundamentals of songwriting like i mean i think verse is fairly straightforward but if you define those chunks for someone or the different elements of a song how would you define verse versus pre-chorus and chorus 
I guess for video, it's easier to look at it. But basically, the, the verse uh, is basically like the storytelling aspect of the song, at least the way I view it. You kind of want to have a little more play with melodies in there, maybe just uh, definitely more storytelling. So lyric wise, you want to have stuff that relates to people um, and relates to the song. Pre-chorus is kind of like the build up to the chorus. So you kind of if you have like a verse that's like kind of mellow, blah, 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 whatever. The pre-chorus is going to be the part that kind of like builds energy. It's kind of like a, a running up the hill towards the chorus. And then once you get to the chorus, you're basically at the top of the hill screaming from the top of the hill. And that's kind of the catchy part that you want. Once you get to there, it's like the climax of the song. And then you go back to the verse and then kind of build that over again. So yeah, the chorus is basically supposed to be catchy melodies, stuff that gets stuck in your head, catchy words, lots of imagery, that kind of stuff. And very in terms of pop music anyways higher melodies like higher melodies than what you would get in the um like almost more excitement if that makes sense yeah for sure do you have an example from your music or others or both i guess that comes to mind yeah so one thing that i'm thinking of right now i think everyone's heard this song like skater boy by uh avril lavigne right where it's like the the verse is like the he's just a boy i'm just a girl could i make like that's more of the storytelling part but then get to the chorus and it's like but he's just a skater boy said see you later boy that kind of thing and when you sing that song the part that people sing is the chorus like if you said if i was to tell you to sing skater boy right now the first part you'd be singing is the chorus Mm -hmm. that's the catchy part right that's the part that everyone thinks of when they think of that song and it's always it's going to be a little bit higher in pitch and more energetic than the verses are so we've got avril lavigne sean mendez justin bieber and you referenced that like when you try and transition from day job to creative musician mode you go for a walk and hit that playlist what are some others that are on there that inspire you I listen to a ton of different stuff. Like my playlist can go from being country music, even though I don't release country music myself. Uh, I can listen to country, like old school kind of rock kind of stuff, like some 41, like punk pop kind of stuff. Been listening to a lot of uh, Machine Gun Kelly these days. I have uh, an album coming out that's more pop punk. So I've been listening to a lot of that kind of music. Um, so like Avril Lavigne, kind of 2000s pop punk is what i've been listening to a lot these days for sure but it's a lot of everything like if you can name an artist i've probably listened to it at some point i try to keep up on all my music not history but like i try to be a well-rounded uh, music listener mm -hmm. speaking of history what about when you were younger like again you mentioned sean mendes justin bieber were there others that you listened to as well like i guess kind of inspired or motivated you to get into music or was it mostly just those two yeah, I used to be into those, but I used to really be into like 2010, like R&B. So like Usher and all those different artists as well. Like they, I grew up on a lot of R. R. Kelly. Yeah, definitely for sure. But like R&B, hip hop kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of different artists. And when you were at that age, kind of looking at what they were doing and creating Beaver and Mendez, obviously, did you want to become a musician at that point? Like, did you look at what they were doing and think, oh, I'd love to do that someday? Oh, for sure. 100%. I don't think any artists could tell you that they didn't. I remember I used to be in my bedroom and I would pretend that I was auditioning for like America's Got Talent, singing these songs in front of like Simon Cowell. And I'd be like doing the full performance just in my bedroom with like uh, whatever I could find as a microphone, like the TV remote as a microphone, like the whole nine yards. I used to always have that like dream of just doing music for sure. But you never went on Canada's Got Talent or America's Got Talent or nothing like that? 
Well, I actually, uh, funny story, I got uh, asked, because I, I have a following on TikTok now, so I got asked probably a year ago to go on America's Got Talent. Um, just things didn't work out with COVID, and um, we didn't actually end up going through with that. But I did get reached out to by casting, asking if I was able to do auditions for their executive producers for the show. So I did that, um, just never managed to work out between the two parties, and I would love to go on the show, but just hasn't uh, had the right timing yet. Does the uh, American Idols and like Canadian Idols, do those exist still or is it just the Got Talent ones? So I think American Idol still exists. They took a break for a while. Uh, I believe they're back now. Maybe um, I haven't watched the show in a long time, but I know for sure definitely America's Got Talent. There is a Canadian Got Talent now too. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it'd be good to see on the show and be able to share it on socials and be like, yay, you know, that's my friend. Let's go. But I think the cool thing is, like you said at the top of the show, that it's so accessible beyond that. And when those shows first started, it probably it wasn't accessible. So I remember like the most infamous, famous one for me where it was like, I think a big life turnaround for the dude was Chris Daughtry. And I was like one of the super famous early American Idol people. He got voted off like seventh or eighth or something like that. But I think of that year, nobody remembers the top six because he ended up really having like a big career. If I remember it correctly, I don't really remember, but it was so cool to see that person who's, you know, working a day job and kind of like making ends meet, but then, you know, really working hard and trying to succeed on the side and then finally have a show like that, get them exposure. All this to say, you mentioned TikTok and that whole idea of like going through the gatekeepers of a Simon Cowell maybe isn't as important anymore. So what should musicians who are just starting out, what should they do to succeed in terms of that exposure part? Yeah, well, it's, it's never been a better time for musicians to create their own music, because if you think about how music history has evolved, like in terms of, let's say we go back 20 years, right? And you try to break it as a musician, it's a lot harder process. You have to spend easily $20,000 recording demos in an actual studio with producers, that kind of stuff. You have to ship off your demos to record labels because there wasn't this idea back then of nationwide distribution, right? If you wanted to get your songs heard by anybody, you had to basically go through record label. They had to sign you to a deal. And you had to do your records on their label and they had to basically market you. There was no other way to go around it. But now things have changed. The music industry has changed a lot. You can make a record that sounds like something that was recorded in a studio in your bedroom if you really were talented enough and uh, knew what you were doing. And you can also distribute it yourself too. You don't need a record label to be the one, like the middleman between you and the listener. So now it's uh, never been a better time to be an artist, but it's also comes with competition. So you have to make sure that you stand out make sure that your music is original, um, Make sure that's good. Make sure that you're aligning with your brand's audience and that kind of stuff, because that's really important. And yeah, it's never been easier, but it's also never been harder to at the same time. It's almost a double-edged sword. Right, because the floodgates open in terms of people being able to access and compete and distribute. I do feel that to use a business term, blue oceans versus red oceans, the idea that we don't need to compete, we don't need to race against people and defend against others, we can create our own sub markets is definitely a really big tip that I would give people no matter what the heck you're creating. It could be YouTube or music or t-shirts, doesn't really matter, but that idea of building your own sort of like uniqueness and community or whatever brand that people will get behind that can't be really compared to other people. For sure. It's interesting because we've kind of hopped around the different topics when it relates to music, uh, like a little bit about distributing, a bit about songwriting. So I think a cool way to structure it, because this is this is shaping up to be a bit of a master class when it comes to somebody like wanting to start music on the side and stop saying that they would like to, but actually get started just to kind of go through like from beginning to end. If you were coaching someone to first start getting into music, what's the first thing that you would advise them to do? 
Honestly, the first thing I advise them to do is listen to a lot of music, right? Because if you want to make music, you have to kind of listen to what people have done before you and kind of just learn. When I listen to music now, it's almost like I'm learning as I'm listening to it because I'm kind of breaking down like, okay, they added like they have this kind of beat. They have, you know, these kind of lyric structures, that kind of thing. So I say start out with listening to a lot of music. And then from there, just try to write your own songs, right? So it starts off. The most important part of releasing music is the song. I don't care what anyone else says. Like if you have a bad song with great production, it's not going to not going to resonate with your audience. Right. So you have to really focus on songwriting uh, at the core because you want to basically write a song that's going to connect with people. Right. That's the whole purpose is storytelling. And you want your songs to basically if you write your song about yourself, like you want to make it so that it's connectable so that like if I write about a personal breakup, for instance, or something like that, that song can be like listened to you by you. And you can almost take that song, even though it's about something that I went through, and you can put your own story to it, put your own people and emotions to it. And that's when like the connection between music between people is like really strong because it's all about songwriting. If you have a bad song and a good marketing, it's not going to work for you. So I'd say focus on the songwriting at the at the very heart of it. To go a little deeper on songwriting. And again, I'd realize that one thing I've learned through producing this show is that as experts, it can be so hard, you know, like talking to Brendan Kane about marketing or talking to Blacka about dancing, or in this case, talking to you about music. It's like, okay, because we're experts, it can be so hard to be like, these are the types of things that would help someone starting out. But when it comes to, okay, so I've listened to a ton of music, I'm inspired, you know, like I can name all these artists. I even maybe printed out some of their lyrics to see how they structure different parts of a verse or a chorus. And now like, I'm going to songwrite. If you're, again, coaching people on that step of it, what is like an exercise or the things you do to help them write their first song? Yeah, it's, that's a very, that's actually a very good question. Cause I remember this exact moment I had too, when I was first starting out to actually write my own songs, I used to just like be baffled. I'm like, how do people write music and like structure it kind of in a way that makes sense? And it used to take, it took me so long to figure out. It's also hard to sum into like a 45 minute podcast, but it's like what Ed Sheeran said. He said like, you just got to start by turning on the tap water. Like if it hasn't been turned on in a long time, turn it on, it'll drain muddy water. And eventually the water will start to turn uh, clean. So you just got to write a lot of songs and just kind of learn as you go. Like it's not going to be something that you just learn overnight. Like just got to write a lot of songs, find out what sounds good, listen to it yourself and like just constantly keep repeating it because that, that even happens with me now. If I'll listen to songs that I write, I'll bring them into the car, that kind of stuff. And I'll just like in the car, I'll be listening to it. And I'm like, maybe I should change this part of the lyrics to like say this instead. I'll put a little voice note together and just constantly keep evolving your craft and your skill because getting into songwriting is very challenging. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I would say find out what genre of music you want to do. And just if you're an instrument, if you, if, you, if you play an instrument, pick up an instrument and just try to like figure out chords and that kind of stuff. And then just play around with, with your style, write, uh, write a lot of music and just learn as you go. It's, it's all you can really do in this industry. You just have to learn as you go. I love that shitty water quote from Ed Sheeran. Yeah. I also love the clip and we, we've shared it on our page at least once before of him. I don't know if you've seen this of him, how he keeps audio of him singing when he was first starting out on his phone. Have you seen that? 
I have seen that. He has like his old like original like stuff he did back like 20 years ago now. Eh? Yeah, well, and like the the one clip that he often shares is like, I, I can't judge someone singing, but he could judge his own, I guess. And he's like, whenever somebody tells me that they wish they were naturally good singer like I am, I play this clip for them. And I'm like, listen to how bad this is. Like, he's like, I was not good at singing at all for a pretty long time. I love what you said about the, the shitty water thing, because there's another example of how that's shared in um, learning circles, I guess. And it's the idea of the pots, the pottery experiments. And like one professor told their class to make a different piece of pottery every day for 50 days. And the professor told the other group to make one of the best pieces of pottery they could. And they had 50 days to do it far and beyond the ones who made one every day ended up with the best one anyways. And I think that that's kind of the same sort of thing that volume and quantity is going to lead to quality because you're going to learn as you go get the reps in. I think that's huge when it comes to the songwriting as like a a technical tactical thing do you make like a mind map do you write it like open verse poetry do you just take somebody else's song and be like okay that's the beat this word could match here and it's different what are some of those strategies i guess yeah so for me songwriting like in that aspect i pretty much always start out with like an instrumental so i will make like i'll come up with like guitar parts or whatever whatever kind of song it is i'll make like a little bit of an instrumental for it um and then i'll just start by humming melodies over top of that beat so i'll just start it it, most of my songs write themselves i never really sit down and have like a mind map or an idea i just kind of like start off with a beat and then just kind of hum melodies over it with like ending words because i try to i try to rhyme all the second words of my songs usually a lot of artists do that i'll just sit down record over and over and over again on on top of the track different melodies until i find what i like and then i'll just try to fit different words to it so i'll once i have the melody so let's say i'm writing a song and i'm doing i'm making the song and i'm like da 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 right that could be like your verse melody and then you just kind of put words to it so every day i wake up that kind of thing like that's how i write all of my songs i just kind of take the melody and i just fit whatever syllables i can to that melody that fits with the rest of the uh, melody that I have there. So that's, it never really is a process of me sitting down, like actively thinking of where this song is going to go. It's just kind of like a stream of consciousness into the song. And I, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, it gets changed. It does make sense. And that's super cool. Did you learn that method from anyone or is that just like, cause yeah, that's how you've always done it in terms of learning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how I've always done it. That's cool. That's just, yeah, it's just, it's just how it's always happened. That's, I think that's how a lot of artists do it too. Like I've seen tutorials and stuff on like beat making and stuff. And a lot of people do the same thing in terms of song. It's the most important part of a song is the melody. So you can listen to a song and you can know none of the words, but you can, if you can hum the melody and kind of get that down, like that's the most important part of a song is the melody. So whatever words you fit to it afterwards, it does matter to an extent, but it's the melody is going to stick in people's heads. But you can kind of pick them and choose them after because they're going to be slightly less important. And so then when you mentioned like, uh, I think you used the term breakup song, which makes sense. We're talking about pop music. So, well, any music, to be honest, country is the same thing. doesn't really matter. So do you have that concept and you're trying to hum melodies that match that concept, though, at least? Honestly, no. Like I just kind of start off like usually most of my songs are like kind of more sad, like breakup type songs. I try to use a lot of emotion in my songs. So they do have that kind of draw to them already um, because that's kind of what I just go for. But in terms of concept, I usually I just start off singing random stuff and I'm like, oh, I like that idea. I like that that concept of maybe I don't know what, what the concept could be, but like, let's say 
you had a girlfriend that broke up with you and you really want her back. Like if you have a song, if you have a lyric that you just came up with in your head, you just kind of like conceptualize the story around that one part. And then you just kind of build the song out from there. Right. Like usually I don't sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write a song about a breakup and I'm going to want this girl back so bad that I have to climb eight mountains to do it. Like it never happens like that. It just kind of flows. That's cool. So the other thought that I had about when it comes to that is uh, like in hip hop music, it's pretty popular to be like, I'm going to have you write eight bars or you're going to write 12 bars or whatever. Is pop music structured in any way like that too? No, there's definitely structure. I think it's similar. Maybe hip hop is like more kind of rap stuff, right? Where you want to write a rap that's kind of like eight bars of a rap kind of thing to get the concept. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like it's like what I said earlier for pop music anyways. I'd try to just do like a verse, pre-chorus, chorus. So like, for instance, a verse would be like, if I do, if I have one chord, uh, one chord progression. So like, let's say I'm writing a song and the chords are like, C, E minor, A minor, F, whatever, right? So there's four chords in that progression. I would typically do two sections of that. So I'd have that repeat twice. So do basically eight bars for the verse, four bars for the pre-chorus and eight bars for the chorus. But you ba I basically just structure it as like a pop song. So verse, pre-chorus, chorus. That's something you just learn over time, I think, is just how to structure the song. It's just listen to what you want to produce and then kind of try to write something similar to it, right? It's like copying is the best form of being an artist. Like every artist steals, right? So you kind of take ideas from other artists maybe i'm not saying go and copy everyone's work listen to how they make their songs and structure your songs around that like it's there's only so much uh, leeway you can have with with songs and like if you just study what other people have done and what works then you'll figure out a way to do it yourself too yeah austin cleon's books you know steal like an artist and show your work and that kind of stuff is is pretty amazing it tells you how to steal but while still being an artist the reason i asked that was because i have seen a lot of people when they first start getting into songwriting they write so much and then they try and record it and they don't understand why they can't get it all in in the amount of time that they have and i'll print out you know some of the most infamous long-winded wordy things like that m&m's created for example and I'll make them take out a calculator and add up the words they have versus what he has. And they have 25% more words than Eminem. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're not getting that in, <laughs> you know, before the course. It's not happening. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a lesson that people have to go through. Like, how much do I say in that amount of time? And that that right there, like I don't ever write my melodies and my words based on like nothing. So I never really get that because when I'm writing my my melodies and stuff for my lyrics, I'm always writing to a beat of some sort. So I already know kind of like if my melody is like da 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 da, I already know I can't fit 10, 15 words in there because I know it's like eight syllables, right? So I'm always cautious of that. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Again, starting from the melody and then the story and the words come out of it, you're already going to know that wouldn't happen. Happen. And I think that's exactly it, right? So a lot of people as a progression, when they're not musically inclined as much from when they're younger, start with like something like poetry or story writing and then try and be like, I'm going to turn this into a story. And that's where it gets a lot more difficult. You mentioned instruments a couple of times. Do you play instruments as well? I do. I play a few instruments. I play the guitar. So I play, I have acoustic and electric guitar back here. Got a drum set. I play the piano as well. So I, a piano is basically what you need to produce most pop music. If you can play piano, you can make any kind of song you want. But I was, yeah, I play multiple instruments. I used to play the trumpet in uh, in high in the band in middle school for a little bit, not too long. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, that's plenty. I think I have zero, but it is, I'm sure it's cool. So do you add it into a lot of your music, the actual instruments that you play, or is that just more to kind of like have a background in it? Depends. So for guitars, definitely a lot of 
guitars are in my instrumentals. As for drums, I rarely record live drums just because for one, you need a big studio to actually do it properly. It doesn't really make sense to record it in my loud studio that I have here just because it's not really treated for a drum set. You also need eight microphones to record a drum set, if not more, um, which I don't really have access to. So it's easier just to, there's some great sample libraries for drum kits that you can buy or that you can download on the internet and they have way better professionally recorded drum sounds that you can just kind of program. So I always do that. But guitars for sure are definitely in a lot of my tracks. So when you perform, do you play the guitar too? Like if you were to perform live? Oh, I would definitely play the guitar. I haven't done any live shows yet just because I only really started releasing music during COVID. But um, now that it's over, I, I do want to perform, but I would definitely use the guitars for performances. Yeah, for sure. In person, you'd still use guitar. What about piano? Yeah, I would. If I, if, if I needed to, I could play the piano um, live. It's I like playing instruments because then it's I'm not really the get on stage and like sing and dance kind of person. I, I like the like rock star kind of image where it's like you're out there, you're playing, you're doing something that like you're actually contributing to like the music aspect at the same time even if it's like a small rhythm guitar part you're still kind of like sitting there on stage like rocking out giving like the performance aspect too right so that's really important for me yeah and that's kind of what i was curious about was like will you be the performer and the musician who's only on the mic or will you kind of mix instruments in one of the most interesting things that i've ever seen as it relates to like true growth mindset and creativity and learning all these topics was uh i'm trying to think of why i even saw it because i don't think logic has like a whole documentary about him it must have been an episode of something and it was on logic and it was showing him behind the scenes learning the piano. And that was one of like the coolest things I've ever seen because it's like, here's somebody who has had a massively successful music career sitting there so engaged. And he just looked like genuinely extremely happy. The most happy I think I've ever seen this dude. And it's because he was deep in being like, okay, wait. And he's trying to learn how to play the piano. That clip is really cool because I think, like you said, off the top, the idea of lifelong learning but just starting to learn an instrument made him like so engaged in that moment that there was like no distractions. And I'm sure trying to write a song that day for him wouldn't have been as engaging because it's already his craft and he's done it a million times. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So you mentioned making beats. And so like that's obviously a big part of making music if you're kind of an all in one person. So do you get beats from others at all or do you just make all of your own stuff? It's a bit of both. I've definitely gotten some songs that I've done that I've had other artists be like, hey, I have this track that I really like your voice. I want you to do the chorus on it or do whatever. Like, I want you to record this track for me. So I've done that. I did a song actually pretty recently called uh, Everything with this artist named Deshaun uh, James. And he came to me with the song and he's like, I like your voice. I want you to put your voice on the song. So we tracked that. I do do that from time to time. For the most part, I like to try to make my own stuff just because it's an artist thing, but I have like a, a hard time giving away control. So like even if someone else does other stuff, I, I hate being confrontational. So like I like to have all the pieces of the pie kind of like in my own head and I have control over all that stuff because I am very picky with, with that kind of stuff. And I it's and maybe it's a, a fault of mine, but I don't really like I don't like getting feedback that I don't like to hear, if that makes sense. Like, I, I kind of can tell what I like in my head. And when someone's like, oh, I, I think you just change this. I'm like, no, I really believe in this one thing. Like, it has to be this way. And I'm very determined to get my own way. That's why I kind of like doing my own beats and making sure that I have control over the music that I put out. 
but you're still open to collaborating. Do you think that collaboration is going to be important in your career still though? Definitely. And I've definitely collaborated with other artists. Like I did a song with uh, Sophie too a while ago. But uh, yeah, if, if, if it's the right song and the right collaboration, the right artist, I'm definitely open to doing all that stuff. But it takes a little bit of a mental reset to be like, okay, we can't have control over everything in this aspect. Like you just got to like kind of let go, be this, let the song be what it is. And if the song is right and the collaboration is the right move, then that's kind of just what it is. Yeah, you seem like a wise person. So I'm pretty confident that you'll figure all that stuff out. For sure. I'm sure there's a balance there, right? Because, you know, the collaboration is going to expose you to their audience. Maybe if nothing else, if, if that's your your concern, it will uh, make you put out something that you don't like and didn't have control over it, but then have to kind of like, uh, and move on and then create the next one, which probably could be a helpful thing too. But I see where you're coming from. So then that kind of like, you've got it all produced edited. And then in your case, just to make sure too, do you use studio time or do you create everything in your own studio? Yeah, no. So I've, uh, I basically have my own studio at my house. Uh, didn't start out that way. Um, I basically over the last eight years or so, I've bought all the gear that I really need to produce properly at my house. A lot of it's bought over time kind of thing. Like as, a, as I make money and stuff, I invest in different software and different uh, equipment and stuff to use. So I've done most of my stuff from my home studio. I've only done, I think, one project in an actual studio. You mentioned at the beginning that if someone were to just want to make music, it's so accessible because all you need is a phone. And I think you said microphone. I can't remember. But point being, what is that if someone were to want to start making music and they needed like the bare bones stuff, what would you recommend people have? Yeah, it's a good question for sure. The main thing you need is a computer with that can have the ability to run any of these uh, DAW softwares. So like digital audio workspaces, there's tons of them. I would recommend if you have a Mac, I'd recommend Logic Pro is what I use. PC, I would recommend uh, Ableton Live is a very good one for, um, for PC. Um, next thing you need... If you want to do any vocals, you're going to need some kind of microphone. I'm sure you have a microphone there that you could probably use. It doesn't need to be a $10,000 microphone. It can be literally $100. I started out on an Audio Technica AT2020 was what I started out with. It was a USB microphone. Didn't need an interface, that kind of stuff. It worked fine until you kind of grow out of it. Other than that, you basically just need your creativity. You can invest in more software and more more equipment as you go on. Maybe a good pair of mixing headphones would be nice. But just start off with the bare minimum and see if you like it first before you invest $10,000 in, uh, in gain equipment that you don't know how to use, right? So start off small and just keep increasing your, your equipment and your software as you go and kind of grow with the software. So as you as you get more stuff, you kind of get used to learning how to use it. And because um, if I just gave you all my stuff that I have right now, you would have no idea how to use any of it and it wouldn't make any difference to anybody. So just kind of build it as it goes. Yeah, for sure. And I actually have the Shure, like I think I have the SM58 here and I have the interface and I just often <laughs> plug in my nice blue Yeti microphone, depending on what I'm doing exactly. But for the purpose of just carrying on a conversation, right? it's kind of nice like this. One of the most inspiring things for people who haven't seen it is certainly Billie Eilish making that first album in her bedroom <laughs> is like a pretty cool thing. You know, I don't remember like they won seven Grammys or whatever it was, right? And I think that there's definitely no excuses in today's day and age. So the kind of final step for sure in this assembly line, if we can call it a creative thing like music and assembly line, but this idea of going through the assembly line from I want to make music to now I'm working on my first song to learning logic and then continuing on to having that final render and then you want to release it. I think that's kind of the, the last thing that could be really helpful for people in terms of a tutorial is the idea of how do I get this into people? hands and how do I start building that audience? 
right? So if you want to release it, let's say you have like a full song done, you're happy with how it sounds, everything, that kind of stuff. The next step you got to do is get it on streaming platforms. So the good thing is it's never been easier. So you can literally use a distributor. I use one called DistroKid. You can look it up on Google. They have very affordable packages. So if you wanted to release as many songs as you want as an independent artist, I think it's $36 a month as the middle package that I have that is not a month, a year, sorry. Um, so it's very cheap to do it. Um, and that will send you music. Once you do the release, it'll send you music to basically every streaming platform you can think of. So Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, blah, 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 blah. There's like 15 of them at, at the same time. Does it all for you. You just kind of fill in the information like a form and it sends it all up for your release date. And then you just kind of promote that. It's on your Spotify now, that kind of stuff. And then I would use TikTok is a big thing for promotion because you have a, the ability to reach unlimited amount of audiences on TikTok. So I would use that. It's been revolutionary to the music industry for sure. Whether it's TikTok or who knows, somebody might be listening to this in, in 10 years and there's another popular app. In general, I think some of the concepts are the same. How does a musician create for TikTok when it comes to that micro content or like what would advice that you would give as far as using TikTok goes? Yeah, well, it's what you said about Mike Posner, right? You said you keep hearing the hook of uh, his new song coming out. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. You got to catch people's attention. You got to draw them in. And the the easiest way to do that is have a catchy hook and have people be like, oh, I really like this. I can't like I'm going to go pre-save this song because pre-saves are really important for artists. If you didn't know, they help get your songs seen on algorithms when they release that kind of stuff. So getting pre-saves by sharing your chorus and like sharing the story of the song is another big thing. You want to have that connection with your audience. So that's a really easy and big way to do it. Yeah, that one example is, I think, going to be a good example because he's got the whole like concept of people thinking that he's died already and he's like, I'm not dead. It's, yeah, it will be interesting to see it play out for sure. So in terms of just kind of the final thoughts around music, like what's your big goal moving forward and what do you have down the line if we were to set some goals for you tonight? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm just a kid that loves music. So whether it's, um, you know, whatever, I, I just, at the end of the day, I love music. I love making music. I love listening to it. I have insane amount of goals. I have this goal setting um, mindset where I write down my goals every single day. So I, I know them off the top of my head. I want to be the biggest recording artist in the world is one of my goals. I want to be the biggest touring artist. So I want to do worldwide tours would be the ultimate goal and do like stadium tours and that kind of stuff. Really big scale dreams. And I want to just make music, collaborate with other artists and do the full thing. I want to I just love music and I want to always perform and I want to constantly keep learning stuff, which is why this podcast is so great. I love that. If you say it five times, though, it's going to sound like I paid you to say it or something. But I appreciate that. You know, one thing I appreciate, too, is that your willingness to share those. That's another huge theme that I hope comes across on the show is that idea of vulnerability and the willingness to share our goals is a big part of that. What's really interesting about that is I could bring someone on here who's never played music before in their life and they could have the same goals. I could bring Chris Stapleton on, who's pretty big, but I don't think he's the biggest in the world. So he could have the same goals, too. And then you're kind of in the middle, right? right now, if we were measuring those goals, which is, uh, it's, that's really neat, but a lot of people will only keep those private, you know? And I think like Conor McGregor said, when he had that insane meteoric rise, if you're willing to speak it out loud and you put in the work, it'll happen. And I just love all of those examples. Kind of a, a funny off topic, but definitely on topic question. Have musicians who have passed away? I think for me, a really weird connection to, to music, I guess, gratitude. A lot of people will say like, have 
have a gratitude practice. When you wake up in the morning, write something you're grateful for. When you go to bed, do it again. But I find those kind of get like a bit too repetitive. My favorite gratitude practice, and when I share this with people, I think they probably think I'm a bit weird, is to listen to music from artists who have passed on. Do you have anybody who's your favorite artist that's no longer with us? Oh, for sure. Um, Definitely uh, Prince is a big influence in terms of artists that have passed on. There's been a ton, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. Like you can learn a lot from people that have lived lives that are now gone. And there is a, there's a big stigma in the music artist in the, in the music industry for artists dying at 27. It's a, it's a well, not a well-known fact, but everyone, a lot of famous artists seems to never make it past 27 years old. And, um, you know, there is a lot to learn from people that have made it and, you know, their, their stories are now locked in, uh, in whatever vault is, uh, is remaining of their life's work, right? They're not here to talk about it anymore. And they, if I could sit down with one artist that has passed away, it'd probably be Prince just because he is such a musical genius. He had like thousands of songs that were unreleased and in his vault and no one's ever heard any of them, but he made it just because he loved it so much. Like, I love that idea of just doing it for yourself and then releasing it to the world kind of thing. Yeah, that's pretty special. Well, I trust that you'll make it well beyond the 27 Club and uh, hit those worldwide tours. And I hope to be able to catch a show in the future at one of those big stadium shows, maybe go on tour a little bit and uh, join your content creation team or something. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I- I'm looking forward to that. Or if I ever learn music, maybe we'll I'll send a beat to you and you can make some music. <laughs> Sub a jam session or something. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I always do some kind of like wrap up theme type stuff. Before I do though, is there any kind of last thoughts or things that you would have wanted to share that uh, come to mind or something we might've left out? I just want to say to all your listeners that if you're interested in doing music, you just got to start. Like it's it's not going to be perfect and it's never perfect. Like even artists that are established still are super big perfectionists and you just got to kind of work with what you got and make opportunities for yourself because no one's going to come and take you out of your, no one's going to come discover you on your front porch and just be like, I think you're the next star. Like You got to kind of, if you want that bad enough, you're going to put in the work that needs to get done and you're going to do it regardless of who believes in you. You got to just kind of believe in yourself and believe in your own abilities to create and be creative and be an artist. So I think that's the message I want to give to your audience um, to close out. That'll help a lot of people. The idea of picking yourself and uh, actually funny enough, right before we came on to do this episode, somebody had sent me something that I was talking to them about at VCon at uh, Gary V's conference. I hadn't talked to them since then. And I don't really remember talking about it specifically either, but it was the idea of like the creative gap. And it was a clip of Harry Mack talking about how when we first learn from artists, like in your case, Prince, and we aspire to be like, you know, Justin Bieber, Sean Mendez we set out on this journey to try and do that. And once we start publishing our own stuff, we're like, well, there's a pretty big gap between what Justin Bieber puts out and what I'm putting out right now. And taking inch by inch, day by day steps towards closing that gap with Justin Bieber is the process falling in love with that. It was a really neat quote that was shared with me. So that speaks to those things as well. One last thing too is that uh, there was a quote from Sean Mendes being like, nobody's born a legend. You just kind of, you have to work for it, right? No one's born this legendary like pop star icon. It's something that's developed over time and like you just kind of got to grow and believe in yourself as like an artist. And if you can do that and avoid listening to the people that tell you you can't, because there's going to be a lot of those, then you'll be able to kind of push through and break records that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Do you find that you have, when you said there's a lot of those, do you find that you have a lot of like online hate or stuff as your accounts have grown? 
Yeah. The more attention you get, the more negative attention you get. It comes with the territory. You just kind of got to suck it up. But it also comes from people that you uh, surround yourself with too. Like you can have people that are in your personal life that you know that are like, maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe you should do like the regular thing. Like maybe this isn't going to work out for you. You just kind of have to like take those people and just kind of believe in yourself more than you believe in what you're hearing from every external party that's involved in your life. Like you just got to push through because, um, you're at the end of the day, the one that knows what your abilities are. If you can define your own abilities and make sure that no one else kind of interferes with that, then you're unstoppable. Is there anything else, any other way that you use to kind of deal with that sort of stuff? For the online stuff, definitely just don't look at it, ignore it. You can put on common filters now so you can just not see it at all if you really wanted to. The personal stuff, you just got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in what you're doing and what your purpose is. And I'm very purpose-driven. I know that like I really was put here to be an artist like that's kind of my it's been my driving force in my life for a long time so I feel I have I'm like on this road that is like never ending but I know that the artist road is what I is what I chose you got to back yourself up you got to be your own hype man when there's no other hype men around and that's the only way you can really do it you just made me think of another question how are you going to know when it's time to quit the nine to five and go full time when it's sustainable when you are able to make enough money to make ends meet and be able to still sustain yourself uh, with music. So that's the goal right now. I'm I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just kind of enjoying myself as I go and working through the process. That's the right attitude to have for sure. And that tells me that you are going to succeed in that. And the other thing, something I'll add when it comes to the online hate or dealing with personal pressures of people thinking you should do something else or not understanding your work is that I really believe in having people that do get what you're doing and you're able to lean on. So if you're ever finding yourself in a season of struggling with that, I'm always here. Reach out to me anytime for sure. Even if it's a quick voice note, I find that that can help people who are trying to create things because it can certainly be tough. So I'm here for for that for sure. I do appreciate that. Likewise for you as well. Thank you. So kind of these rapid fire things. One is if you were to leave a piece of advice behind for people, what would that be? I would just say back yourself up, be passionate about what you do. Don't take no for an answer. Uh, you can do whatever you want in this world. People can tell you no. And if you know what, you're, what it is you want to do, um, no one can really stop you at the end of the day from doing that. And one thing that you yourself are learning, it might be off topic for music or whatever, because we're all learning lots of things, no doubt. But when I ask you something that you're learning, what comes to mind? Something that I'm learning, I've really been learning how to protect my mental health these days, making sure that I don't rely on other people to make myself happy is something that I have been working on really hard because I used to put my self-worth in what people thought of me. And that sounds really bad, but I've been just trying to learn how to enjoy my own company and just kind of be happy with who I am as a person and know that I'm here to make a difference in the world, whether it's through music or whatever. I'm just happy with where I am as a person. Um, that's something that I've been working on. And have you mostly been doing that through just the internal work or have you been trying to read books on it, listening to speakers or like what's a way that you've been able to start learning that a bit better? I read a lot of books. I try to read at least for like 20 minutes a day, which isn't a lot, but um, it is something, I guess. And um, so I've been reading a lot of books on drive and motivation and goal setting, that kind of stuff. So I read the 10X Method by Grant Cardone, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just I like reading books, especially about mental health and like goal setting and that kind of stuff. It's awesome. And one thing that if you were to ask me a question that you felt my answering or creating a piece of content out of it might help people in my audience. Uh, if you were to ask me a question, what would be a question that comes to mind? A question that comes to mind. That's a, that's a good one. Um, let me think about that. 
what is your ultimate goal with your just keep learning? Like, let's say you got a DM from somebody, right? And they're like, you helped me with this. What would the ultimate goal be in terms of like, you help someone with their struggles? Like, what would that look like for you? Three kind of semi answers pop to mind. And one is specifically with helping people. And it's so interesting that we're talking about music because part of my brand, if I were to be able to do it more full time, and I know I've shared this with you before, is the idea of trying things and just seeing how good I can get at something like, let's say, playing guitar from, you know, step one to step 100 in like 100 days or something and just seeing what happens and sharing the behind the scenes of that. Because I think that's the thing is that when we start something new, that's one of the most important things that's missing from the learning literature or books is the modeling of it because it's easy to talk about it. That being said, one of the things that most interests me about music compared to learning anything else is I would love to be that an artist that can put other people on. I find that a lot of people get protective over their success. And I would far rather with music and with this podcast, be able to say like, this is like a really good person who's trying to climb the ladder instead of kicking them down. I want to help them up it a bit too, right? So I really want to build a lot of leverage with the brand to be able to do that. Like imagine if Gary Vee wanted to help somebody out to have him on an episode of his podcast or something. It's just a life changing thing. I don't have that right now. So growing the brand to be able to help like that is like the overall goal for sure. And then as a person, I think very much tied to that. If I help somebody, certainly there's the really deep stuff around mental illness and mental health and them deciding to keep pursuing their goals and living the best life they can as opposed to all the destructive things we can do, whether it's around addiction or depression or whatever, but also similarly being like, because I listened to your show or heard this guest, I decided to finally take the leap and make my own music, start my own business. And then, you know, feeling better from doing that and maybe finding some success from doing that for sure. Yeah. And that's very admirable too, because I, I notice you're uh, you're very like public service kind of person in terms of like you love helping other people like recognize their goals and recognize that they are more than just where they come from kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, that's that makes total sense. And it's uh, very admirable. And I look up to that for sure. Thank you. And I realized that I kind of had two answers and I had said that I had three. Yeah, it's all good. The third was just that when you look at like Rogan or Caller Daddy or Dax or these major global beasts of podcasts that sold for 110 million, 60 million and 50 million or whatever. That's the other thing is that a lot of people create podcasts because they want someone to come take their course or it's a, a way to meet clients that they're going to try and do business with or, or sell something to. And for me, that's just so far removed from what I would like to do. It just takes so long to get to the point where you have a successful show like that. And again, the reason why I would like to succeed like that as far as the money aspect goes is because it frees up the time to be able to create full time and possibly get a show like this being heard by millions of people just allows for the the greater impact, you know, not because I need to drive a Lamborghini, but because it allows you to just go deeper and spend money on marketing and continuing to share that exact message. Like you just said, I appreciate that people pick up on that, that I love to kind of give people their flowers or clap for people who have started to crush some of those goals, you know, like Black Eddie Dancer. I mentioned him already twice in this episode for some reason. He just started dancing again. And this guy was a fully sponsored Red Bull dancer, made music videos for like Rihanna and stuff and had some tough times. And he just got back to dancing. I saw him post some dance.
stances the other day and I was like, let's go, you know, like pretty excited for him. So luckily I, I come by that because I just, like you said, like seeing people succeed, not because I had to trick myself into thinking like that or whatever. Like I'm so stoked for when you have your biggest hit, right? The world's infinite and abundant for sure. Yeah. So I think it's just important for us all to realize that it doesn't need to be super competitive. What is your biggest song so far? My biggest song so far is the song that I wrote Two years ago, it's called Like to Be Loved. It's got almost 50,000 streams on Spotify. My TikTok has done a lot better than my Spotify has. Um, I've gotten TikToks that have gotten 3 million, 4 million views with like 8,000 duets kind of thing, which is very, it's it's overwhelming amount of numbers and it's super flattering. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Well, it's a perfect segue into the final wrap up question. And it's if people wanted to go find and support you online, where would they go? I've got everything under the sun. I've got TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I've got SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, any of those streaming platforms. Mostly my TikTok and my Instagram. If you wanted to really connect with me, I post a lot of stories. I try to connect with my audience on there as much as I can. But I do release all my music on stream platforms, obviously. So those are the places you'd want to go. And most of your handles are at the Benjamin Allen? At it's Benjamin Allen would be the handle yeah beautiful well thank you so much for doing this like i said i'm excited to see where all the music goes but just being in touch and supporting each other for as long as we can no matter what for sure and when i if i ever get uh, to that point where i need some marketing and stuff like that i'll definitely have you on my team for sure and i'll be talking about doing this podcast for forever <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I'll do. I'm probably, I'm probably best in some kind of like negotiating for you with uh, people or something. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. But we'll find a way to get you on the team if that's uh, that's where we go. If nothing else, we'll just do some backstage hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I know we've been talking about it for forever. So been uh, it's been a good time getting on here with you. Awesome. Have a good night. You too. JKL community, I appreciate you being here so much. Thank you to our guest, Benjamin. Sometimes you just know that if someone wants to succeed at their craft, they will. And Ben, no doubt, gives me those vibes. So be sure to check out his music and all the social creations he comes up with. As always, we love getting your DMs or texts about the show. If you have any input on guests, topics, don't be shy, just let us know. Until the next episode, all the best. And remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true. But there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.